Welcome to the Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Kyle Brown, and normally this is where I would say hello to our guest for the show, but we're changing up the format for a little bit more of a personal story today. The October issue of GCI focused on golf course dogs, you know, how they work alongside us and why we love them. We collected dozens of really great stories from supers about their dogs, and I came across one I absolutely had to share with you guys. Bob Colstead is the superintendent at Fox Bend Golf Course in Oswego, Illinois, and his course companion has a very distinctive name. Gustav Laszlo is his whole name, you know. Goes by Gus. He's a Vishla, is the breed. They're sporting dogs with a caramel-colored coat. They're well-known as foul hunters and good family dogs, which is why it's no surprise that Bob ended up with Gus, even when his family specifically did not want a dog. My wife didn't want a dog. We went to somebody's house who had had this litter of dogs and didn't bring our checkbook because she didn't want the dog. And <laughs> we went and looked at the litter, and in an hour we turned around and went back and bought a dog. So, yeah, it was almost instant for, for all of us. So Gus starts coming along with Bob to work. and makes a name for himself, chasing off geese like a pro. Course members start asking after him if he's not around. Then one night a few years ago, heavy storms flood the course. And the storm had happened the night before. We were doing our course inspection, him, me and my assistant driving around. We have creeks that run through the course. And the dog was running alongside or running out. You know, he's always looking for something to hunt or look at or whatever. So, But as we were going out, this storm front was coming in, another storm front. And it was moving really fast, like a straight line front coming towards us. It got dark again because the clouds had moved in so quick. And neither one of us were wearing rain gear. So instead of staying on the course getting drenched, I, I turned around real quick and came back to the shop without the dog. I assumed he would follow. So I came back to the shop, and when he didn't follow, it's like, okay, now I'm going to put on my rain gear, and i got to go out and find the dog. So my assistant's going to help, too. So he gets in his vehicle with his rain gear, and he goes out, and so do I. I just happened to go back to the last place that I saw him, you know, near this bridge. And uh, when I started to call him out, I heard him kind of yelping back. Well, I still couldn't see him because he was under the, the deck boards. Bob realized Gus was trapped under the bridge in the Rising Creek. He could hear his dog, but not see him. It was what he could hear that made him take action. I think it was his crying. He kept crying. That was the other part that kind of ripped your heart out. The dog continued to cry or, or yelp out because it was a distressed call that I've never heard before. He was constantly whining for help. So I knew he wasn't drowning. And the whine was a, a gurgle at times. So it was like really pulling at your heart. Because you I could hear the, that he was getting watered. He was yelping and also gurgling a little, but you could hear the when he barked, his, his mouth would probably hit the water or whatever else because there's only, you know, six or eight inches between the water and the deck, you know. As long as he was making noise, I was continuing to look for him. I mean, this isn't, like I said, this is in a flood state. The water is chocolate milk. You can't even see through it. If he was to wash away or, or go down, I would have never saw him, I don't think, you know. He kept making noise, kept barking, kept calling calling out. That was my motivation to, to get after him, because I knew I could still save him. Whatever he did, he knew he had to act fast. He was the only one who could save his dog's life. It was surreal. I mean, it was, when it happened or when I heard him, I mean, I'm thinking, how do I get through these boards to get to him? I don't know, I got to cut the boards or what? But there wasn't enough time even to yeah. go to get a saw or something. I felt like I had to do something. You know, do, do you risk your own life to save an animal. It was kind of a weird feeling. If I should even be trying, I, and then I'm thinking, well, I don't want to see him just get washed downstream as a as a drowned dog. That's when I decided I'd take off the rain suit and shoes and try to dive from the 
downstream side. That way I didn't get caught in the bridge as well. I thought I could at least let the current take me out if I got stuck. Sure. But going under there blindly, not being able to know. The bridge is 40, 40 foot long and 8 feet wide, so I had to figure out where he was in that area. So it took a couple of tries of swinging my arm around the water before I finally finally located him. I felt his, I felt his leg swimming because he was keeping himself uh, between the steel and the wood where there was some air. I consider myself a good swimmer, but I must have been panicking because when I did go underwater a couple times, I couldn't stay underwater for more than 10 seconds because I was so frightened, I guess. But the swimming pool, you can hold your breath for a minute. I, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I tried to figure out the shortest distance to him for that last dive where I thought he was, and I didn't I didn't try to come up for air because the one time I did, I got a, a mouthful of water. It was a one shot. I built the damn bridge, so I knew there was two to get by to catch him in the middle. And it was just close my eyes, use the steel to pull myself close enough to center where I could grab a hold of him. And so the first two times, three times under was a search mission, and then the the last one was the rescue mission because I knew where he was. So <laughs> by this time I'm 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 exhausted. I could barely try. I'll, I'll give it all I got to get to him. I grabbed hold of his leg and pulled straight down so he didn't rack himself on the steel and then I pulled him towards me and let the current carry us out a little bit to where I got to the shore and was able to lift him up on shore but he wasn't he wasn't nearly as exhausted as I was surprisingly I stood there for a while catching my breath he goes after the duck again he goes back searching for the duck till I yelled at him to get back to sit down in there in the cart that was crazy and then kind of sitting out there in the rain for a while just trying to calm down and your heart's pounding still and everything else and by the time I get back to the shop you know I'm soaked I'm not wearing uh shoes tell them the story tell my mechanic and then the guys in the guys were still in the shop because of the lightning delay told them the story turned around to walk back in my office and they they swipe a spider off my back so not only did I save the dog I saved a huge spider that decided to catch a ride out from underneath the bridge too (laughs) you're quite the humanitarian that day yeah, right. I saved two animals at once. Does he treat you with respect now that you saved him? Like You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he changed much at all. For him to get out of the water and then try to go back in again, I thought that was pretty disrespectful. <laughs> Surprisingly, I thought once I got him out of the water, he would probably sit down on the shore and lay down, try to catch his breath like I was, but he wasn't. He was pretty active. And water doesn't scare him. He's still, still going to water. We try to keep him away from the water during floods, but I wasn't trying to be a hero. I, I don't know what anybody else would do in that same situation, especially if it was a dog that was, you know, your companion that comes with you every day to work. So You really have to have a heart for that dog by now, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine him without him. <laughs>